Hello and welcome to the Hoops Dramas podcast. Adam Shalafu alongside Jake Shapiro. Jake, it's great to have you on the show. It's been a while. How's it going in colorful Colorado? It's going great. Really hot summer. No wildfires, really, which is like the big thing right now. It's making things even better. And uh, just gearing up and hoping we're going to have a really good nugget season coming ahead. Honestly, I'm really excited. And I think this podcast is going to come out right around when the schedule comes out. I'm hoping the schedule for the NBA comes out next week. And okay. we see if they snub the back-to-back MVP of the Christmas Day game twice. He's the only MVP in league history to not get a Christmas Day game the next year and it could happen to him a second time. I think they got to get him on there. Oh, man. It, it's it's weird. Like, the most disrespected two-time MVP in league history. It's like the people who get it, get it. But I don't know. Maybe it's just I have too many Joel Embiid trolls on my timeline on Twitter. But it, it just seems like the disrespect is it's gone too far. Like, this guy is a revolutionary talent (laughs) well that's the thing is you say revolutionary he doesn't really make sense in the constructs of how we understand basketball all the time like he's not the highest jumper he's not very fast um but you don't need to be the strongest fastest highest guy it's something bill walton one of our friends always says right it's not about how high you jump it's about when you jump right Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I think that's what makes Jokic so good is, is just basketball IQ is so great, but you watch him loafing down the court, looking like a giant oversized piece of bread. And he has won one playoff game out of his last two series because of the injuries around him. Right. But ultimately the star is always going to take some of that blame, even though he's quite literally been an historic playoff performer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, you, you can paint a picture that makes anyone look bad. I mean, I can paint a picture picture pretty easily that makes LeBron James look overrated and not like a great player based off the last few years here and what he's done in Los Angeles. So it just depends on what narrative you want to spend, uh, you know, twirl your, twine or whatever you say a spin your spin your untwirl or something like yeah. that yeah yeah uh but like ultimately i mean obviously lebron's one of the top five players of all time and i think Jokic is honestly pacing to be a top 15 top 10 player of all time i mean we're talking about a back-to-back mvp at age 27 and this season for the first time we're really about to see him at his peak with a star point guard and maybe a star forward in, in Michael Porter Jr. So I think we're just kind of scratching the surface. And I ultimately think that there's a way that Jokic is even better this next year, but there's no way he's winning three straight MVPs. Like the only way that happens is if he quite literally averages a 30 point triple double, which honestly have like the best record in the NBA. Right. And and honestly, neither of those two things are too absurd, which is kind of wild to think about. Cause I think Jokic was at like 27 points per game last year and like eight assists and 14 rebounds or something like that. So a 30 point triple double, isn't that obscene. Like literally all he needs to do is hit one more three per game. Um, And a best record in basketball. Well, the last time these guys were all healthy, I think the Nuggets had the second or third best record in the West. So uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately he's not going to win three straight MVPs, but point being, I'm really excited to see this season of Nuggets basketball because I'm finally going to get to see Jokic's dance partner, Jamal Murray, which we all saw in the bubble a few years back and how beautiful a basketball they play together. Yeah. Yeah. Complimentary. I think they're the best together of any, like two teammates in the NBA and uh, people kind of forget that because we haven't seen Jamal Murray in a really long time. But whether it's the dribble handoff or 
what they can create on the backdoor action or just the defense being so concerned about where they both are that all of a sudden you have uh, somebody else wide open um, just with the sheer gravity. Now, the Nuggets, like going into last season, they were actually my pick to come out of the West. And it was a very cute pick. My reason was, is I was like, okay, if Michael Porter Jr. is healthy and um, Jamal Murray gets healthy, like close to, uh, I don't know, like March, then you have enough time to get those guys in flow together, but not enough time for the rest of the NBA to actually get a good scout on how to stop them because they do create all these matchup problems. And I thought that was going to kind of be the wave that would carry them through the playoffs. Obviously that didn't happen. And now you have a lot of roster change and honestly, I'm about it. I like a lot of their moves. It's not like they've went out and had like these crazy earth shattering moves. They didn't bring any new superstars in. Uh, I will quickly say that I do not like the DeAndre Jordan uh, insertion and DeMarcus Cousins being gone. But apart from that, like Contavious Caldwell Pope, really nice pickup. Bruce Brown, really nice pickup. Uh, And then you kind of put that with the emergence of Bones Highland. Uh, Ish Smith, sneaky good pickup because a lot of NBA players consider Ish to be the fastest player in the league with the ball in his hand. And so that gives you another guy who can really push in transition, um, which I think could help at times when you don't have Jokic on the, on the floor too. Uh, so like a sneaky little good off season there. What do you think about it? I thought their draft was an F I thought they absolutely. And that's what you didn't mention is they had two first round picks this year uh, at 21 and 30. They drafted Christian Brown and Peyton Watson Peyton Watson might be a good player one day, but he was a project who scored three points per game last year at UCLA. And he's a guy that maybe projects to guard one through five, but isn't going to right now. I really liked their second pick, uh, second round pick, Ishmael Kamagate, but he's going to be a guy who is a Euro stash and he'll be overseas for at least a year. Uh, End of the story is he could be a good rim roller, good athletic big one day. But their first pick, Christian Brown, I think he's hard-nosed. I think he's athletic, but I ultimately don't know that he's going to crack the rotation. He's going to be fighting with Devon Reed for a backup small forward position in their rotation. And I would have really liked to see them package 21 and 30 and even moved up to 17 or 16, not that far and probably possible, and drafted Tari Eason. I thought Tari Eason would have been the guy that absolutely completed this roster. And that was before they got KCP or Bruce Brown. Christian Brown, I think, ends up being an okay pick, but the Peyton Watson one was, I thought, a pretty big blunder, especially because there were some interesting guys still on the board at 30. And you also have to consider that 30 is the most valuable contract in the league because it's literally the lowest paid four-year rookie contract. Interesting point, yeah. Right. So, So that's a valuable pick to the Nuggets who are going to be trying to, you know, save as much money as possible. That's why they jumped, dumped Jamichael Green. They are now a luxury tax team. The Nuggets have the second highest payroll in the Western Conference, uh, I believe, at this point right now. 
Um, so you have to kind of factor those things in. Bruce Brown, I thought, was the best pickup they possibly could have made with their mid-level exception. Uh, he projects as a backup point guard on days Jamal Murray is going to be coming back from the ACL and he's going to be, you know, using maintenance. He's also one of the best defenders in the Eastern Conference the last two years. He is an unbelievable finisher at the rim. He also shot, I think, nearly 40% from three last year, which is not going to happen again. But even if he just shoots 35, 36, you're taking it. Uh, so I thought that was just the addition the Nuggets absolutely needed because they have not had wings the last few years, Adam. They've had a bunch of guards playing wing spots. Austin Rivers was their small forward for much of last That's year. That's not good. Will Barton was playing small forward a lot too. They were undersized. Now they bring in bigger bodies like Bruce Brown and then KCP, who's going to be their starting shooting guard, absolutely destroyed the Nuggets in that LA Denver series in the Western Conference Final. People do not remember that series well, but the Nuggets could have won that series. Anthony Davis had a buzzer beater. And aside from that, the teams traded blowouts. The teams traded close games. If he doesn't hit that shot, Nuggets might go to the championship. And KCP said the Nuggets would have won that series if Davis doesn't hit that shot. And Davis, I could make the case, or KCP rather, I could make the case was the third best player in that series. He slowed down Jamal Murray for a couple games. um, And I'm really looking forward to seeing him play because the biggest thing the Nuggets have been missing, Adam, is not a great defender. Aaron Gordon is that great defender. He can guard Luka Doncic, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, but they haven't had a great perimeter guard defender, a smaller guy that can keep up with Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, um, and and some of those players across the league. And John Morant, I think, is going to be a big one to watch, obviously, for the Nuggets soon in the Western Conference. So that's why I think Bruce Brown and KCP are such big pickups. Overall in their offseason, I'd say it was a pretty decent job. The one guy I haven't mentioned yet was Ish Smith, I think the only way Ish Smith is really going to play is on those Jamal Murray maintenance nights. And I honestly thought Colin Gillespie was going to be the guy that stepped in and was the third string guard, but he already fractured his leg. So he's probably going to be done for the year. Um, But Ish Smith is a nice uh, third, fourth guard to have as a veteran. And then like you kind of mentioned, DeAndre Jordan pickup, he was the worst player in basketball by a long shot last year. Uh, They're going to be trying to look to add a center at the trade deadline. They do have, I think, it's either an $8 million or a $15 million trade exemption, which a lot of players could tr- uh, slide into. So you trade two second round picks and a $11 million trade exemption, you're going to be able to find a backup center. So I think for the first part of the season, it's going to be Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan kind of figuring out that backup big spot, um, which I don't think is going to go well. Jeff Green didn't work out well at the backup big spot last year. That's why they went out and got to Marcus Cousins. And DeAndre Jordan has been a nightmare in the league the last few years. But ultimately, I also do think DeAndre Jordan's going to kind of help this locker room gel. Uh, he's been teammates with Bruce Brown. He's been teammates with uh, Jeff Green. You know, uh, Nikola Jokic and him have had a couple spats in the past, but seems to have a po- positive relationship. So overall, I'd say maybe a B minus offseason for the Nuggets. I think they hit it out of the park with two of their additions. Um, but overall, I think they, they misstepped in some other places. Yeah, it's not a team in the need of an overhaul, but they definitely got rid of like. And, and you and you said they didn't make any massive moves. Yeah. I want to stop you. Will Barton and Monte Morris leading this team for Contavious Caldwell Pope. That's a massive move here in Denver. Both of those guys have been starters the last year with Jamal Murray out. They played over 80 games. I think the Oldham played over 70 games. Um, Monte Morris was the longtime backup point guard who consistently played 20, 24 minutes a night. So losing both of those guys in a trade, that is a massive shakeup for this organization. That's, that's a fair point. 
Yeah, I mean, they're, I guess I'd call them like fringe core pieces. Barton used to be like there was a year not that long ago, I want to say two, three years ago, where he was like probably their second best scorer. Probably know? 18, 19, and 19, 20. And again, with that Lakers series in the Western Conference Final, Barton was not healthy for that series. And, and, that, and that's one of the frustrating parts about this window, Adam, is they've had under Nicole Jokic is he's never had all four of his starting five healthy for a playoff series. Yeah. And then people are like, oh, he doesn't do anything in the playoffs. But it's like, yeah, look at the context, you know, because right. uh, that's the other thing about Jokic, kind of like a LeBron James in obviously very different players, but like they both really need certain pieces around them you know to maximize what they do best as playmakers and Jokic has had to take on this like massive scoring role where he's able to go give you 30 40 points don't get me wrong but that's right, not which is necessarily who he is. that he's done that because he's proved over the last few years that he's one of the most efficient scorers in the league and nobody yeah. knew he had that until Jamal Murray went down and yeah. one of the things that that we learned with Murray out was you talk about the LeBron James, the floor spacing part and the gravity. You watch that Golden State series back from this year. There were four guys guarding Jokic on almost every play because you did not need to respect a single player on the Nuggets shot, more or less. Monte Morris was the only guy around him that could hit threes consistently. Everybody else, you'll kind of live or die with it. So that that problem of those guys not being there had so many knock-on effects and it even affected Jokic's defense because the Nuggets didn't want to play a meet up uh, a meet with Jokic high up on the pick and roll uh, and have him hard hedge because he was expending so many so much energy on offense so they were just playing a drop so he didn't have to move as much and you might say that's a stamina thing not really Jokic has incredible stamina but the fact of the matter is no human on the planet can play 38 minutes of basketball a night and do the entire offense and anchor a defense so yeah. the, the, the knock-on effects are, are kind of we're going to see some of Jokic be even better and play more free with Murray and Porter back. But one of the things you kind of started to say, but stopped was it kind of reminded you of LeBron James in Cleveland. And it's worse than that, Adam, because Nikola Jokic, again, back-to-back MVP now is the only MVP in league history at age 27 to have never played with another all-star. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I guess like, cause Murray's all-star caliber. But he's not done it yet. He's never done it. Yeah. Right. He's all NBA caliber, honestly, if he's fully healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that like where the team improved is, as you mentioned, perimeter defense. And there were times when they would just kind of get gouged, you know, and like what sucks for the Nuggets is like just a couple of years ago, it looked like, geez, these guys are very legitimate contenders, but everyone around them has gotten better rapidly. I disagree with that. Um, I think the sun's window came and went. Um, the Clippers have been kind of in this phase of waiting for Kawhi and Paul George to be healthy for the last years. The Lakers have gotten significantly worse. The Jazz have gotten significantly worse. Maybe uh, not everyone, but like the Grizzlies. Even the Spurs have gotten significantly yeah. worse. But yeah, you know, sure, the Grizzlies have gotten a lot better, but the Grizzlies right now, are they as good as the Lakers coming into this Nuggets window? Uh, you know, so you, you have to ask those questions. Of course, the Warriors have gotten healthy and a lot better too. But yeah. I, I think it, it ultimately evens out. 
it really does. We look at the young, exciting teams, we get caught up by it, but there are a lot of teams that also have gotten a lot worse in the West. Uh, what I look at though, when I think of this Nuggets team is we have only seen the Nuggets core, which is Nikola Jokic, Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter Jr. play 11 days of healthy basketball together. And they went pretty, they did pretty well in that stretch. Went undefeated. They beat the Clippers on a Thursday night game. And I can tell you as a longtime Nuggets fan, one who watched the Mello era, one who watched them make the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers with Mello, one who, you know, saw that unbelievable George Carl team with Danilo Gallinari that could not stop scoring and Ty Lawson and Kenneth Fareed, right? That was the best incarnation of the Denver Nuggets I have ever seen. And that team, if healthy, and I think they're even a little bit better now, their pieces are a little bit better around those four. That team is the best team in basketball, like bar none. Like it is. The problem is, is none of them are healthy at the same time. And can they build up enough chemistry to get back to where they were? Um, And you think about Adam, yes, they lost depth this offseason. They lost a lot of depth with losing Barton, losing Morris, losing Rivers, losing Cousins. Those are key guys on their team last year. But also there is a reason why no one picked up Austin Rivers and still hasn't picked up DeMarcus Cousins right away in free agency. 70% of the Nuggets playoff minutes until about a, a couple of weeks ago was were still free agents. Like that's how weak that team was around Nikola Jokic. So adding back Murray and Porter, obviously huge. But the big thing to me is the Nuggets playoff rotation of seven to eight guys in their closing lineup. When you have Bruce Brown and Kitavius Caldwell-Pope, is so much better than the options of Facundo Campazzo, Monte Morris, Austin Rivers, some of the things they had been having to push out there on the court the last few years. So we're talking about the fact that the Nuggets have been a borderline home court advantage team with Nikola Jokic and Nikola Jokic alone, more or less. Getting back those two guys and also adding proven playoff guys and Bruce Brown and Contavious Caldwell-Pope and I don't think it can be understated how scary this Nuggets team could be, but there's always going to be the concerns when you have a new GM, your assistant coaching staff has been raided by other teams around the league, and your owner has shown consistently that he isn't going to spend the money that it takes to necessarily win these titles and throw those last dollars on, uh, the, you know, into the roster. So I think there's always concerns. And personally, I'm not going to tell you here that the Nuggets are the best team in the West. I'm not going to tell you that they're going to win the NBA. Uh, this year, I would have a hard time telling you the Nuggets are going to be a, a home court advantage team this right. year. But if they are healthy and if they are all playing, if it comes together, I think this could be the scariest team. And, you know, it's right there with the Grizzlies uh, as scary as possible team in basketball this year uh, from just a depth perspective, from a top of their lineup perspective, you know, from the depth of scoring, you know, and how much better defensively they're going to be. I would say that, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying about like, if it comes together, the biggest question mark for me is Michael Porter Jr. I mean, because the guy's unreal, like basically you're, you're putting in uh, the, the comp is always like Rashard Lewis, you know, that's, that's where I always go, go with it, but you can run him at the four. You can run him at the three. He's a really underrated rebounder. He can knock down shots. Um, and he's like a pretty dang good athlete. It's just like, 
when he is healthy, is he fully healthy? And when is he actually healthy? And then um, you look at some of these And again, teams. watching that Warrior series, the, one of the biggest Nuggets problems was they could not rebound the basketball. And they were without their second best rebounder, yeah. Michael Porter Jr. So that is so cl- so key that you just mentioned this. And also, second part of the conversation here with MPJ is, you talk about his scoring touch. At age 22, I think was his last healthy season. He's the most efficient 19-point-per-game scorer under the age of 25 in the history of basketball besides Wilt Chamberlain. So, like, when he's healthy, he's he's a machine. Yeah. I mean, the, the fact that this team won 48 games, given their injuries, is, like, impressive in itself. And so, yeah, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that they win 60, you know, even if Michael Porter Jr. isn't healthy the whole season. I think, like, Jamal, the most important players on the Nuggets in this order are – Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, MPJ. Uh, MPJ is the biggest X factor because you don't necessarily know what you're going to get with uh, health from him. But then I'm just kind of looking at this and then reflecting on what you said. We Teams I think are better than the Nuggets right now, healthy. And then teams I think are in that same tier. Uh, the Warriors, I think, are the best team in basketball still. Then I'd go Warriors, Grizzlies. And then I have in the same tier is like the much improved Dallas Mavericks who like, sure they lost Jalen Brunson, but having Tim Hardaway Jr. Back and having Christian Wood is going to help. And Jason Kidd's actually done a really good job. A little fun fact. And this is, you know, I think it was Mark Twain said that there's, there's stats and there's lies and then there's damned lies or something like that. But believe it or not, Luka Doncic had the best defensive rating among point guards in the NBA. Uh, he was great defensively in the playoffs. Yeah, like he's actually great. a solid defender at this point in his career. People don't, people don't really talk about it, but like, yeah, the Mavs have gotten way better defensively under Jason Kidd. Uh, the Jazz have fallen off. The Pelicans should be better with a healthy Zion. The Clippers, uh, a lot of uh, health question marks, but in theory, on paper, really good team. Uh, John Wall hasn't played since uh, 1860s, but you know, hopefully he but can. The last time that. John Wall played, you say that it was actually only two years ago, and he averaged like 18 and nine. He, yeah, it feels like since Ridiculous. the Lincoln administration, really. Right, just because he was playing for the Rockets for 40 games on a nomad season, and that was yeah. two years off and whatnot. Uh, I'll let you continue. Um, and then the Timberwolves, it's, it's like a lot of what is that team going to look like? And I don't want to get into that long conversation, but like, there's some good teams, but when I look at it, like, yeah, the nuggets, if everyone's healthy, I kind of got them at like a three seed in the West. I think that they should be better than Ma- the Mavericks. Cause if healthy, they're more balanced. Um, they so only the one lost team you four... mentioned was Phoenix. Give, give me your take on Phoenix. I just don't, I, I think we've seen what it is. Like maybe they're a, just, maybe they're a Thibodeau team. And what I mean by that is maybe they're a team that like gets a really good record in the regular season, but I just don't see them as a contender. Okay. So, so two points on that. And, and I wonder if Jason Kidd has the same thing Thibodeau does where year one Thibodeau, year one kid is such a reaction and a rejuvi- rejuvenation that year two cannot be the same. That's how it is with Chris Paul, right? So I want to see year three Chris Paul because it's been bad everywhere. He went to the Clippers. Year three Chris Paul was a nightmare. Year three Chris Paul could be a nightmare for the Suns. It was for the Rockets as well. 
So that's my take on that. I think DeAndre Jordan is obviously going to get traded at the deadline. So like what they're going to do in the playoffs, it's, it's impossible to project because we don't know what their lineup's going to look like. I think right. Bridges is a hell of a player. But at the end of the day, Adam, they finished 18 games better than the Nuggets last year. And for the Nuggets to say, if you're, if you're saying the Nuggets are going to be 10 games better than last year, 48 wins to 58 wins, that's reasonable. If you're saying that the Phoenix Suns are going to be eight games worse than last year, 64 wins to 56, maybe. Um, I could see so, it. I, I don't know. I, so, I, so my I, point I, is it's going to be a lot to catch the Suns. Yeah, still. yeah, yeah, true. And maybe I'm just like. I think we're far. overcorrecting on the Suns based off that game seven. I mean, that was just so brutal. It is one of the best basketball games I've ever had my, watched in my life. It was so enjoyable. Uh, yeah, and I I respect Chris Paul. I respect I, him. But the thing is, I really don't like the games, man. The stick my butt out to draw foul stuff. Like, a lot of what he does uh, just kind of irks me. And it makes the Suns, like, not super likable for for my basketball taste but yeah i probably am overlooking them but okay so maybe the nuggets are a four seed so um, here's, here's what i got i've got phoenix still in a class above the nuggets until we see it just because of the way they've been playing the last few years uh i think memphis is clearly above them just talent wise and the depth i mean they barely play with they played 25 games without john morant last year and finished with the 56 wins they were unbelievable uh Golden State, I think you still have to put in that category. I actually wonder if Memphis will go out all out in the regular season or will actually temper it back and kind of wait for the playoffs. You also have to remember Jaron Jackson's out till December, uh, which is a big loss for them. And Steven Adams wasn't even on the floor in the playoffs. So kind of what are they going to do with their big position? Brandon Clark is going to take on a huge role there. I think New Orleans with any sort of healthy Zion, like even 70% of Zion is one of the scariest teams in basketball. Because well, all of a sudden New Orleans, you also have, it's, it's Zion, Ingram, CJ McCollum and Jonas Valanciunas like that's and Herb Jones yeah yeah yeah, that's like that's terrifying that's a great team uh so uh, and their depth that uh Trey Murphy's a good backup guard like they've got good they've got good players um and I I honestly am excited to see their coach kind of toy with it David Griffin their their GM has kind of always been up and down so I've got four teams right now that I would say I I don't want to say are clearly better than the Nuggets because I think two are in Memphis and Golden State and then two others are I put above but aren't clear. I don't think Dallas is there. I think Nikola Jokic is a better player than Luka Doncic still right now. Yeah. Uh, I would look around that roster in Dallas, which has gotten killed by the Nuggets the last few years, and say Christian Wood is a huge addition to them um, because he is such a valuable player. He's so good, so efficient. But how dedicated is he going to be to buying into the team principles when he's be- yeah. going to become a free agent next year, or is he just going to go out and stat chase? And, and I think that's one of the biggest questions, questions with Christian Wood. I think losing Jalen Brunson is big. I'm the biggest Spencer Dinwiddie fan on the planet, but I don't know that Dinwiddie can replicate everything Brunson was doing. No. I, I'm not a big Tim Hardway guy. Finney Smith is a good role player, great three and D guy, but not much more. And I thought they absolutely messed up their center position. I, I love Maxi Kleba, but what is JaVale McGee actually going to do for you? And why are you paying him like a starter for the next three seasons? So I think uh, he will be their starter. That scares me. I, I don't want JaVale McGee to be my starter at this point in his career. So uh, that's, that's the team that I would say not clearly below the nuggets, but a little bit below the nuggets. Okay. And then also in that class is the Los Angeles Clippers, just because we haven't seen it, but yeah. if healthy, and we're doing the, if healthy thing with the nuggets, if healthy, the Clippers have the best six players 
to run out on a night in night out basis out of any team in basketball with, uh, you know, uh, Robert Covington, you got, you got to remember he's their power forward. Uh, they've got Norman Powell. They've got, uh, the Kawhi, Paul George, Reggie Jackson, John Wall, and then Zubak. So that's seven, actually. I think that might be the best seven-man basketball lineup in, in, in the league right now. But there's just so many question marks. And the fact that they've gone to playoffs without either of those guys for a couple of years in a row now is, is really impressive. So I would say they're a little bit below. I would say clearly below still are the Minnesota Timberwolves, even though they only finished one game behind the Nuggets in the standings. I, I don't see that team working out in any form or fashion. Um, I think it's going to be a nightmare. I think the Lakers are a disaster. Um, I think the team that might make some big improvements, there's actually two I see making huge improvements this year, are uh, – the Portland Trailblazers with really healthy and Jeremy I'm super Grant. low on the Trailblazers. I think Jeremy Grant's a big pickup for them. He, he's such a good player. I, I had the pleasure to watch him here in Denver. Um, you know, I want to see how Simons plays with Lillard. We saw Simons mm. play with McCollum, but we haven't seen Simons play with Lillard. Uh, I think that they are not like, I'm not talking about them as a five or a six. I'm talking about them as a play in team. Okay. But, yeah. You know, I, I think that they're going to go from a team that won 27 games to a team that wins 43, you know, okay. Okay. improvement um, just because of, you know, Damian Lillard, uh, not that he's the player he was just even a couple of years ago. And then the other team I see making a massive improvement is the Oklahoma city thunder. Uh, yeah. I, I think Chet Holmgren is a hell of a player. Uh, Poku finally started to turn it on the last 20, 30 games of last year. Shagel Alexander is so good. And yeah. Giddy, as you said, Giddy, Giddy was rookie of the year candidate. He was phenomenal last year. And that team's another team that's really depth, uh, deep. They've got Lou Dort, who they just paid. Uh, they've got Trey Mann. Uh, they've got, and uh, Kenrich Williams is a good player. They've, uh, they've got some good players. So uh, if you're going to look at rounding out the West and who's going to take all these wins that San Antonio and Utah are going to seed, right? Because someone's going to have to win these games. I see the Clippers stepping up, or not Clippers, but they are going to step up. But I see Portland and Oklahoma City kind of stepping into that play-in territory, which also, again, because so many teams are going to be tanking in the West this year, uh, that might mean this is the end of the Kings postseason drought. Like, we might see oh. the Kings sneak in, and there's going to be a fight, Adam, between the Kings and the Lakers for that 10th seed. There is. Like, I would be so, so happy to see the Kings, like – essentially keep the Lakers out. It would just be like the, the cruelest twist of fate, you know, right. Uh, schadenfreude, I believe is the German term for taking pleasure in someone else's pain. Uh, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, in quick little tangent. All right. Here's my relationship with the Los Angeles Lakers. I love basketball history. And as you know, I'm like the biggest Phil Jackson fan out there or one of the biggest Love me some Phil. And so I rooted for the Lakers for years, for years when they had Phil Jackson. But like this incarnation of the Lakers, I can't do it. I can't root for it. Like I didn't have as big an issue with them when they were in the bubble and stuff, but like with like how obnoxious Russell Westbrook acts and then like how cocky they were about, oh yeah, this is going to work. We're going to like, you know, LeBron not wanting LeBron and AD like, Oh, get Westbrook, not body healed. It's like, I enjoy watching this dumpster fire. You know, you're a bulls fan. They've won six titles. Um, 
I think we would trade a lot for just one title, but you had LeBron go to LA and would you say his tenure in LA so far has been a success with the one title and now what three exits from the po- three, three non postseason years? No, it's been a disaster. And like, here's the thing. I don't put an asterisk necessarily on that title because like everyone played under the same conditions, but I think it was pure basketball, honestly, but that's just me. I, I, like it, and it was beautiful shooting. Like I enjoyed the bubble. I, I watched it. I wasn't one of those. Oh, I can't watch the bubble guys. Like it was good. It counts. That being said, it's not a normal situation. And here's why Anthony Davis has an injury history always has. And you let him get off his legs for months and you let an, a, an older LeBron James take a rest for months. And so then you put in like, what's a very good team when healthy. And it, you just kind of took away some of the like potential stumbling points for that team. And so it was like a perfect storm. Uh, the heat played them really well. The Lakers were the best team in the bubble. They, they earned that championship. I don't want to take it away from them, but like, no, it wasn't a normal season. It wasn't a normal situation. And that makes it like, it still counts as a championship, but it's not the most impressive championship that LeBron's won. It's nowhere close. Yeah. And I, I just want to get this in before we run out of time here. Uh, Nuggets Focus podcast, Bones Highland is going to have an unbelievable sophomore season, like sixth man of the year possible candidate. I just want to put that on people's radars. Uh, Bones last 20 games of his rookie season, 14 points per game, 41% from three, 3.4 assist to turnover ratio. Only two other rookie guards have done that in the last 30 years, Kirk Heinrich and Nick Van Axel. So Bones Highland, and you, again, he's the backup point guard, but Jamal Murray's going to miss quite a few games, you know, as maintenance days, Bones Highland is going to put up some ridiculous numbers. And then when he's even coming off the bench or playing spot up with Murray, his shooting is going to be so much more something to fear because of there are other shooters on the floor instead of him being the lone shooter on the floor with Jokic. So uh, I'm expecting an incredible season from Bones, even with the fact that it's going to get tougher for a sophomore because people are going to actually be scouting him now. So yeah, I, I, I mean, people were scouting him in the Golden State series, right? And he was probably the third best player for the Nuggets against Golden State behind Jokic and Boogie. So yeah, uh, I just wanted to throw that out there for the Nuggets. All right, I'm going to challenge you. you got about 60 seconds. Give me your all-time Nuggets starting five. Oof. Jokic is the starting center. Uh, David Thompson is the starting uh, small forward shooting guard. I would go Fat Lever starting point guard. Uh, I hate Carmelo, but I think you got to put him in there. Sure. And then uh, I would go Dan Issel for the starting power forward. Love it. Batavia, Illinois native. Uh, thank you for joining us, Jake. Uh, we'll see you next time and we'll definitely have to get you on uh, at the very beginning of the season once we kind of see see these things so thank you we'll see you next time happy hooping